Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson. Glad to have you with me across the nation today. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I'm happy to take your phone call. So I had to do something today. Had to Google, what is a Lizzo? I don't know. I try to keep up with culture, uh, but I keep up with my kids' culture and the things they're interested in, and and, and Lizzo falls outside the things they are interested in. Uh, a Lizzo is apparently a person, Melissa Vivian Jefferson, a 34-year-old, highly talented musician. She is known, however, for being rather large, and wearing very skimpy outfits and twerking such that it becomes very revealing. I am, regardless of her performances, deeply impressed with her talent. Uh, The Library of Congress allowed her to play a crystal flute that was owned by President James Madison, The crystal flute was made in 1813. It's more than 200 years old. And they allowed her to play it on stage at the Library of Congress. The Library of Congress is the largest flute collection on the planet. Um, It appears the crystal flute was gifted to President Madison about the time of his second inauguration. It was rescued from the White House by Dolly Madison during the War of 1812. And she played it in the Library of Congress's rotunda, and she also played it on stage. I want to play for you, Lizzo, playing, not on stage, but in the Library of Congress, I want you to listen to this because there's a point that's got to be made. And and before I before I play this on, you need to know something about me. I adore I love classical music. When I was a kid, my older sisters were very much into 80s music, wasn't a fan. I have very eclectic musical tastes. Pearl Jam is my favorite band. The Foo Fighters, Pearl Jam, Nirvana. I love alt rock. Uh, The Glorious Sons is a band I listen to regularly. Uh, Mumford and Sons, and now Marcus Mumford has his own album out. It's pretty good. Kind of like alt folk stuff. There's some electronic stuff I like, not appropriate for your kids because of the language in a lot of the songs, but there's a group called Missio. When I work out, I listen to them. Uh, Barnes Courtney. Pearl Jam and the Foo Fighters are kind of my go-tos. I have very eclectic musical tastes. I listen to some country music. Um, Oh, who's the new guy whose music I've been listening to? Um, New outlaw country. My buddy Austin recommended me to him. He's got a great album out. I don't listen to a lot of country music, uh, but I have been listening uh, to Charlie Crockett. Charlie Crockett, pretty good. 
And then there's a guy who goes by the name of the Gray Havens. It's him and his wife. It's he's Christian, but not. Uh, he's subtly Christian. Very like his his music. Um, I have very eclectic musical tastes. Judah and the Lion. I'm going to see Judah and the Lion uh, next week. Did I mention I have eclectic musical tastes? Well, I love classical music most of all. I love Beethoven. If you don't like Beethoven, there is something wrong with you. Um, there, there, there is absolutely something wrong with you if you don't love Beethoven. This is a man who went deaf. And after he went deaf, his father used to beat him about the ears, uh, demanded that he bring out the talent his father knew he had to be as good as Beethoven, or to be as good as Mozart, demanded he be as good as, as, as Mozart. And Beethoven struggled and struggled and struggled. And, and where, where Mozart, it came super easy. With Beethoven, he struggled, absolutely struggled. And he was a genius. And he put together the Ninth Symphony in his head. And those who knew him said he would struggle and he would hum. And in his own, he would he he, he would mutter, da 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 da. And it was the ode to joy in his head that he was piecing together just just a brilliant music from Beethoven. Absolutely just brilliance in his head that so few people could hear and he could hear it in his head completely deaf and he could put it together. I just, I'm amazed by the noise in Beethoven's head. put that, that together when he was deaf. When he was deaf, he did that. And so I, I love classical music. I do. And I want to play for you this clip. This is Lizzo. She's playing James Madison's flute. She's clothed, unlike her performances on stage. And she just does this. Listen to this. It is a thing of beauty. reverberations in the echo of the room, the flute, one person. It sounds as if multiple people must be playing multiple instruments, and it's just her. What a natural talent God has given her. 
my buddy Joel Berry, who I don't actually know in person, but he, he works with the Babylon Bee. And he he said something yesterday, and, and let me just read you his tweets. This is the video, and this is his video I'm playing, and I, I've retweeted it. I'm going to untweet and then retweet again so that you can see it if you follow me on Twitter at E.W. Erickson. This is the video of Lizzo playing James Madison's flute. Everyone should see. Beautifully pl- played. She's wearing clothes. I think it says something that a performance like this goes virtually unnoticed while a clip of her nearly naked on stage blurping a few random notes and twerking goes viral and gets praised by the Philistine elite as empowering. It's amazing how beautiful art can elevate the performer as well as the listener. A stark contrast with the absolute filth and self-degradation celebrated by the culture. I used to believe... I used to believe that culture itself reflected the people around it. So all of us, our culture, the things we ingest, the things we digest, the things we consume, the things we produce, they are reflective of us. And as I've grown up, I've become aware of yes, but, yes, but. Culture is reflective of, of those who produce it, who consume it, who ingest it, who digest it, and who produce it. But that's not us. That's not you and me. It's Hollywood. It's New York. It's the elite. And it's often profane and perverse. Lizzo's notoriety comes not because of her musical talent. Her fame comes because she's an obese woman who wears very tight, skimpy clothes and twerks on stage, and the media finds it empowering that a near-morbidly obese woman in very tight clothes will stand on stage and twerk and, and, and do things like that and get attention, forget her musical talents. She's actually brilliantly, listen to her play that flute. She is brilliantly musically talented. Listen to this. That's so good. That's her. That's not multiple people. That's just her. Instead, we get the skimpy clothes twerking on stage that the media thinks is so empowering. Oh, look at this. Nobody's shaming here. It's great. You know, I'm, I've lost 20 pounds in the past two months. I'm trying to lose weight. My, my wife and kids are like, you know, you're under a lot of stress lately. You got to get healthy. You got to start losing weight. You got to do better. You got to eat better. And it's all macrobes and, and eating protein. And, and I've been going to CrossFit for a while. And I put on a lot of muscle, but you'd never know from the fat and, and trying to move beyond the beer and pizza diet. Um, and this, this idea that, oh, it's, it's perfectly healthy. And no, no, we just went through a massive pandemic where the people who were the most overweight were the ones who died most frequently. Healthiness is actually something we should be celebrating. 
modesty is something we should be celebrating. We don't have modesty in culture anymore. And again, it's a reflection of the people who create it. And we are then supposed to consume it. And then our children who see the culture think, well, this must be fine and normal. And it's the homeschool kids who live the sheltered life who become the pariah outcast of, look at that kid. He doesn't know what this is. Look at this kid. They're so mild-mannered. They're so well-behaved. They can have a conversation with adults. And it's the well-behaved, super smart homeschool kid who gets along with adults who seems to be the deviant, and the deviants are the ones who seem normal. The kids with the good parents in the two-parent nuclear household whose parents actually love them and, and push them to do well in school and, and, and converse with people and be responsible, they're the ones who society kind of looks down on now, the bourgeois family. And so the cultural trendsetters of the cultural elite They don't elevate this clip of this young woman who is clearly a brilliant musician with music that's edifying to the soul that reverberates in the marbled hall of the Library of Congress where everyone stands absolutely silent to hear these beautiful notes come out of this musical, beautiful musical instrument by this brilliant musician. She is a unquestionably brilliant musician if she can do that on that flute, having never played it before in that hall. Instead, we get the clip of her nearly naked on stage twerking, playing three notes to a crowd who cheers. Because the cultural elite prefer that to this. And it's become increasingly clear to me over time that so many of the trendsetters of culture, they don't want your soul edified. They don't want you calm. They want you ever perpetually in some state of emotional rapture, be it joy or anger. And the things that are normal and calming and pleasing and stable for society, those are the things they push away. So we can't look at this brilliant musician playing this brilliant instrument brilliantly. We have to look at all the decay of society and say, this is what the crowd wants. I don't know it's what the crowd wants, but it's what they've been given. So perhaps it may not be what the crowd wants, but even now, because they've been served it so much, it's what the crowd thinks it wants. And that's the problem with our always on internet consumerist society. And it's why I think people like Giorgio Milani can give that speech in Italy And it can resonate with so many people who aren't fundamentally conservative or Christian, but can say, yeah, that's kind of what's going on here now. These people are setting us up to be the consumers, the perfect consumers, slaves to materialism. And what they're serving us is kind of crap, as opposed to kind of beautiful music that resonates with the soul. Everybody asked me about bowl and branch sheets. I actually put up a picture the other day. We got some in our house because we order from them. We actually are customers. They're like, oh my gosh, are they really that good? Yes, they get softer every single time you wash them. I mean, they use 100% organic cotton threads. They're super soft. You get such a good sleep. They have just the great weight to them. Like I had a pair of sheets we actually threw away when we replaced them with Bowling Branch where they were just like too light and also not very soft. The Bowling Branch, they're 
you're perfect. The drape across your body when you sleep, absolutely perfect. Bull and Branch uses the highest quality threads on Earth for superior softness, for a better night's sleep. They've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. Their signature sheets come in nine neutral colors in all sizes from twin to California king. You will feel the difference. And they're 100% free from toxins. No pesticides, no formaldehyde, no harsh chemicals. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I'm going to go to the phones to Chuck. Mm. Welcome to the show. Chuck, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Eric. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I, I will, as I told your, your call screener, I believe it might have been Charlie, um, if I'm not mistaken. It was. Uh, I thought it was. It sounded like him. Uh, but I'm a, I told him I'm an exclusive listener of WSB and, uh, I do, uh, uh, anyway, I listen to you almost every day and I do appreciate your, uh, religion and your religious attitude and your, uh, conservatism. So that being said, that's all I wanted to say. I've never called before, <laughs> but I listen every day, but you said some things today that really hit home with me. The prayer, you know what I'm talking about earlier? Mm-hmm. Yep. Talking about prayer, getting on your knees and, you know, you know, you understand. But I'm saying, but I also could uh, re- uh, respect your conservatism and, and, and uh, you know, your political views. And, of course, I'm a Republican. I, I don't give a damn who knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Chuck, I appreciate the phone call. The, the guy, I can't believe Charlie let you on air. In fact, I do have to say he has a little note up here on the call screening program that I see, and it says, uh, Chuck, here's a rare compliment I'm letting through. Don't get used to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I don't, I, I don't know about that, but you you do deserve it. And I'll tell you something else that you can use on the, on the, on the you know, sales uh-huh. end. I'm eating a hot dog right now. Well, I was, well, before I was talking to you, <clears throat> but I'm getting ready to throw two uh, bacon wrapped fillets from oh Omaha gosh. Omaha Steaks on on the griddle in, well, in, a, in, a, in a couple of hours. You so you know, ah, man, you're going to get me hungry here. So I I, I got to tell you, so you check out, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let you go there, and I appreciate the phone call and the kind words. Thank you. So I. I'm trying not to eat much of anything today because I kind of overdid it yesterday, and I am trying to lose this weight. And I've, I lost like 20 pounds, and I put some back on. And then I was at this event last night, and so there was a guy there who, like, I knew I knew him. Turns out we followed each other on Instagram for a while, and it was his dad's property we were at, and, and they had a keg of beer there. And I was like, I'll have a beer, and it was Miller Lite, which is my kind of go-to. And literally, I'm sitting there talking to the to, to Matt and the guy who was there. And every time I kind of put my arm down on my side, he's reaching the hose over and filling up. I've got like this never ending cup of beer. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta drive home. I gotta stop. I can't. And then I got home. I was like, I, today I just need to starve myself. But I can't starve myself, y'all. I get hangry. If I don't eat, I get hangry. And I know you think you know people who get hangry, but I am the most laid back, relaxed, don't get worked up about anything person on planet Earth until I get hangry. It's so bad that when I travel, my assistant, Candace, 
calls Charlie or Philip, whichever one is traveling with me, to remind them that it's time for me to eat because they will not want to be with me if I don't eat. I get that sort of hangry. Now, my kid gets what we call it at our house, sadgry. He starts crying when he gets like over-emotional because of low blood sugar from not eating. Me, no, I am just, I mean, I turn into just like monster rear end. You, you don't want to be near me when I get hungry. Snicker bars calm me down, but still trying to do better. And today that mostly means like protein shakes and starvation, and it's not working for me. And now we got a Chuck Collar with his bacon wrap filet. <laughs> Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go back to the phones. John, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Eric, how about you? I'm great. The past is three hours of the day. Uh, you know, I, I'm just, I was looking at the clock. I thought I had another hour and, and clearly not got <laughs> less than 30 minutes. <laughs> well, sir, I was just thinking about all that water down there in Florida, flooding those, those cities and towns out. And I was just wondering if they had gone total electric, what would be the effect of all those charging stations that still had power with people around them in the water? All those charging stations that were dead with dead batteries down there, and what is this? What what is the effect of the seawater when it comes in contact with batteries? Oh, John, you're not supposed to ask those questions. You're not well, supposed I'll hang to ask up and go questions. somewhere else. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, it's it's you know, I was here. There, there's tweet, and I thought it was made up. A, it, it does seem to be real. Uh, back uh, two years ago when a hurricane came through Florida and she was lamenting all these people with their gas-powered cars, they weren't going to be fill them, filling them up because they couldn't get to the gas stations. But if they had electric cars, uh, they would be able to go places. And, you know, the, the gas pumps wouldn't work on, with without electricity. I was like, this, this, was, this was a real tweet. Um, they really live in a world that is different from the reality-based world you and I live in. And I I can't understand it. You know, no one has done a story, but I have heard anecdotally from several people, and I've seen the video of the line of people at a Tesla supercharging station trying to get their char cars charged to evacuate from Florida. And you had this massive, it was like a Chick-fil-A line uh, at a drive through but for Tesla superchargers. And it takes 30 minutes, even with the supercharge, to get your car charged enough to get out of Dodge, as opposed to me. You want to wait to the, the water to go there and charge it? Yeah, and, and listen, <laughs> I, if I'm trying to flee an oncoming Cat 4, Cat 5 hurricane, I don't really want to wait the 30 minutes at the Panera Bread drinking coffee while my car charges. I want to get the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> and I can with my gas guzzler. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I thought about all those charging stations, and they're about halfway underwater, and the electric, uh, if the power is still there, then that water is going to be kind of dangerous. Yeah, not only that, you, you made another point that, that can't be uh, emphasized enough, the salt content in both the sea air and the water and what it does to the, the corrosion with the lithium-ion batteries, among other things. It's, it's not a good recipe uh, for for any of this situation there. And, of course, you bringing it up, John, it, it's they would prefer you not to. I, I appreciate you doing it. Thank you very much for calling in, but... These are the difficult questions you and I are not supposed to ask. There's another topic about which you and I are not supposed to talk about. 
that I'm going to talk about with a devil-may-care attitude, I might add. Before I do, Jim tells me I forgot to tell you guys that this hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. And if you need a big loan for your business, you're growing a building or you're growing a building, you're building a building, buying a building, you are uh, expanding a franchise, buying a franchise, reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. Now, with the devil-may-care attitude, let's go in the Wayback Machine to 2015. Here's the headline at BuzzFeed News. The first out transgender active duty U.S. Army officer. My story is not unique. Last month, the Army granted the request of Jamie Lee Henry, a military doctor, to officially change, they say, her name. It's his name and gender. People say, is this a choice? The choice is being healthy or sick. I can continue living a sick life or I can live a healthy life. Jamie Lee Hendry is a doctor and major in the Army's Medical Corps. He is also a transgender woman. In an interview with BuzzFeed News, Henry is the first known active duty Army officer to come out as transgender. He is also, to his knowledge and to the knowledge of LGBT advocates, the first and only active duty service member who has changed his name and gender within the United States military. He became a she. By the way, I would note this story is from 2015 and they use LGBT advocates instead of LGBTQ+. Notice how the language has changed in in, in less than a decade. Suddenly, you, you don't find LGBT anymore. It's got to be LGBTQ+, for all the inclusiveness. So you got that? So Jamie Lee Henry is transgender. He is a he who now identifies as a she, and the military allowed him to change his records and pronouns and everything. I got to tell you, um, well, well, there's an Austin Powers quote in there. Looking at the picture. I tell you all of this to bring you up to speed to today. From 2015 to September 29th, 2022. A Johns Hopkins anesthesiologist and her spouse, a doctor and major in the U.S. Army, were federally indicted for attempting to provide medical information about members of the military to the Russians. Anna Gabrielian and Jamie Lee Henry, who had a secret security clearance as a doctor at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, communicated and met several times with an undercover FBI agent who they believed was from the Russian embassy, Offering sensitive medical information on military members and their families, the indictment alleges. Gabrielin, 36, touted the Rockville couple's access to the health records as a useful long-term weapon. During an initial August 17th meeting in a Baltimore hotel room, Gabrielian told the agent she was motivated by patriotism toward Russia to provide any assistance she could to Russia, even if it meant being fired or going to jail. Her spouse had access not just to medical information, but insight into how the U.S. military establishes Army hospitals in war conditions and about training the military provided to Ukrainian military personnel. 
Henry participated in a second meeting later that night. My point of view is until the United States actually declares war against Russia, I'm able to help as much as I want, Henry 39 told the agent. At that point, I'll have some ethical issues I'll have to work through. You'll work through those ethical issues, Gabriellian replied. Henry also told the agent she had looked into volunteering to join the Russian army after the conflict in Ukraine began. In an August 24th meeting with the agent in a Baltimore hotel room, Gabriellian called Henry a coward for being concerned about violating HIPAA, a federal law. <laughs> I'm sorry. So that uh, this person was concerned about HIPAA, not about giving information to the Russians, but about violating the health insurance portability and accountability. And oh my gosh, I can tell the Russians what's going on. I just can't use names. Duh. <laughs> oh my gosh, these people must be nuts. Gabriellian did fear that what might happen to her and Henry's children if she put herself at risk of arrest, demanding the kids be put on a nice flight to Turkey to go on vacation if arrest seemed imminent. I don't want to end up in jail here with my kids being hostages over my head. Gabriellian is listed as an instructor of anesthesiology and critical care medicine at Johns Hopkins. Her profile page says she speaks Russian. My goodness gracious. Some clues about the couple's mindset were revealed earlier this month when Gabriellian told the agent about a 1986 book she instructed Henry to read. It described the recruitment and training of a Soviet-era spy. It's the mentality of sacrificing everything and loyalty in you from day one. That's not something you walked away from. Undoubtedly, I bet they were fans of the TV show The Americans as well. I bet they ate that up. I bet they loved it. And they wanted to be like those people. There are lots and lots of things here to say. First and foremost um, is there's clearly some deep psychological something going on here. Also, this ties in perfectly to my concerns about the FBI that I don't think we need to get rid of the FBI, but we should certainly constrain their focus. This is a national security good, that they were able to root out potential traitors who wanted to sell information to the Russians. That's what the FBI should be doing, not going after people like Matt Gates and, and uh, leaking damaging information and then realizing there's no case there two years later. This is a good. Also, I've got to say, I'm somewhat impressed with the Baltimore banner where I'm reading this to be willing to highlight the um, Jamie Henry's story as uh, the first known active duty army officer to come out as transgender. Because my suspicion is a lot of the media is going to play that down on the issue of stigmatization. At the same time, I it, it, it is bizarre to me that anyone would want to side with the Russians. And we see this phenomenon 
And it's just very weird to me. To, Russia has never been our friend. And here you have two bad actors trying to sell the Russians information to compromise our national security. Henry, the transgender army uh, officer, told the undercover agent he offered to join the Russian military after the invasion of Ukraine, but was rejected due to lack of combat experience. Henry allegedly told the agent he believed, quote, the United States is using Ukrainians as a proxy for our own hatred toward Russia. The Russians aren't our friends. Vladimir Putin is not our friend. I have grave concerns about President Biden's foreign policy and how we may be encouraging the Russians to use a nuclear weapon by essentially telling them we're not going to respond in kind. You've kind of emboldened the Russians to launch a nuke. But the idea that you sell yourself out, and by the way, I've, I, I got to say this, regardless of how you or I feel about transgenderism, this person, Jamie Henry, made it a big deal, set for interviews, wanted people to know he's the first, he's now a she, it's big for the transgender community, and it seemed to really, that was a, a monumental way to define himself. And now to, to, is this also the first transgender person to sell out our country to our enemy? Are we allowed to even talk about it that way? I'm telling you that, and this is the difficult devil-may-care attitude that'll get me in trouble with some people, but there's a mental aspect to transgenderism that uh, that movement tends to play down and seeing this person want to sell out his country to Russia. Um, and he, there's, there's clearly a lot going on there. Uh, and this person, if actually convicted, is going to go spend a lot of time in prison where he'll have a lot of time to think about it. And I suspect we'll wind up in a, in a women's prison given how he now defines himself. And that then itself will be some sort of story. My goodness. Well, uh, you know, they could run an Eden Pure thunderstorm as much as they want. It's not going to clean the air on this stuff. Uh, but you at your house can eliminate odors by running an Eden Pure thunderstorm. Get a three-pack from EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com. Eden, like the Garden of Eden, PureDeals.com. And on the front page, you'll see a discount code box. You put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, and you get three of them for less than $200. You get them saving $200, and you get free shipping. It's EdenPureDeals.com. Get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your RV, your basement, or like I do, keep it in my suitcase. Case. You can plug it in with a USB cord, power it that way, or plug it directly into a wall, and it will wipe out odors. EdenPureDeals.com. Well, I have breaking news for all of you. Yes, it has just come out. <laughs> Suckers! <laughs> Let's see if I can be serious here for a minute. Question. Question. Are you someone who will benefit from the student loan bailout by the Biden administration. Will you benefit from the student loan bailout? Do you have federal student loans and you meet the income requirements and Joe Biden has promised to get rid of your student loans? Now, let me ask you this. Um, 
is your loan managed by a bank or is it directly managed by the Department of Education? Is it managed by a commercial bank or is it directly managed? Do you write your check to a bank or do you write your check to the federal government itself? Because guess what? Overnight last night, the Biden administration says if you use a commercial blender to manage your uh, federal family education loan or your Perkins loan, you no longer qualify for the student loan bailout. Um, that means 4 million people who expected to be bailed out will not now be bailed out of their student loans. Why? Well, the core language is legally advisable. That undoubtedly means their lawyers told the Department of Education, the banks are going to sue you if you do this because you're going to cost them money. That's right. Uh, all of you who are expecting to get your federal loan bailed out, if it's managed by a bank, nope, you're screwed now. The Biden administration, they rushed this out to play politics. And now that the lawyers have actually seen it, the lawyers are like, uh, guys, guys, you you can't actually do that. This This isn't good. It's a problem. Um, it's, it's legally available, not legally advisable as the core language. And that is not legally available for the Biden administration to forgive debts held by private lenders, even if the ultimate debt carrier is the federal government. So, ha, 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 I have no sympathy for you because mine's not getting bailed out anyway. Uh, there's no reason for them to do this, but this also shows you how rushed the plan is. Now, you should know that uh, this is not going to affect the lawsuit that's been filed to stop this. Uh, the Biden administration is going after the evil, awful Coke-tobus, the, the Coke brothers. They, the Pacific Legal Foundation has gotten money in the past from the Coke Foundation, and they found the perfect plaintiff, someone who, because of the federal loan bailout, will get taxed by his state government uh, for having his loan bailed out. This isn't an opt-in thing. It's just going to happen. And he's going to get taxed by the state. It's going to it's going to be considered a taxable benefit. So he's filed a lawsuit and says the Biden administration is essentially raising his taxes by doing this. And that lawsuit, because of his loan, is a federally serviced loan by the Department of Education. The lawsuit's not going to get thrown out. Again, just so you understand, the Biden administration has now revised the rules on the student loan bailout. If your loan is handled by a private lender, by any commercial bank, you do not write the check directly to the federal government, but you write your debt check for your student loan to a bank. You no longer qualify for Joe Biden's bailout. That means 4 million people who thought they were going to get their loans bailed out now will not get their loans bailed out, according to National Public Radio. Oh, the politics of this right before the election. There are going to be some livid people. All I can say is I got no sympathy for you people. None at all.